Hello and welcome to the Walk Around Podcast powered by JMA Group. If you are in the automotive world, this is the podcast for you. I am your host, one of your hosts, Mark Spoto, joined as always by Elliot Shore. Hey, And today we have with us Diana Lee. Diana is a dynamic CEO and automotive veteran in the industry. She has a company called Constellation, which is a SaaS enterprise and digital marketing firm that provides technology to help you engage and send direct messages to your customers with efficiency and importance. Uh, Diana was just an amazing guest. There's really no other way to say that. Yes. Would you agree? Diana brought the passion. She brought the heat. So uh, buckle up, everyone, and get ready. This is going to be a roller coaster. Absolutely. Enjoy this conversation because you are uh, definitely going to learn a lot. Let's take a walk around. We did. Let's take a walk around (laughs) with Diana Lee. Well, Diana Lee, thank you so much for joining us on the walk around. We really appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate this. Yeah, so we're excited. You know, it's not often that we have a expert when it comes to digital marketing. So I think our audience is going to get a lot out of this, but not only because of the business that you're in, yeah. the background that you have and your experience. Yeah, an awesome story. You know, we, uh, we were marveling in preparation at your ascent from business manager to you know, uh, uh, you know, CEO and uh, of a, you know, really a technology company as much as it is a advertising company, which is something we definitely want to get into. And, and, you know, it's funny, you know, AI is all the rage these days. You can't go anywhere without hearing about, um, you know, AI technologies. Yeah. And uh, so we're excited for this conversation. Um, but first, you know, I think for us, uh, you know, uh, tell us about how you got in your your love of automotive. And, you know, you started as a business manager in dealerships, you know, and worked your way up to where you are today. But, you know, we're always curious, especially, and we've been highlighting uh, women in automotive leadership specifically because it's very underrepresented in our industry. And so we're always super curious about how, uh, what what developed your love for automotive? Yeah, I mean, it starts back in 1974. My family immigrated here from South Korea. Mm. And, um, you know, South Korea back then had gone through war and it was a very, very poor country. So I remember my dad fought uh, in the Vietnam War with the Americans and came back when I was five. And he said, we're going to the land of uh, the the wonderland and it's going to be the U.S., right? And wow. so I remember he, we boarded the plane, we land in the slums of Philadelphia huh. and my parents worked 15 hour days. Uh, my father and my mother, they were, one was a nurse, the other one was an electrician and they, they opened a little store and they ran it in the slums of Philadelphia. And so uh, coming from an immigrant family that was poor, hmm. uh, and watching my parents go through all these struggles, like my dad was, um, he, there was uh, times that they were hold, uh, held up at gunpoint, my mom and my father, they would come back and they would, my dad would say, I told you, you can't run 
when they have the gun up. <laughs> and I was like, I don't care. I'm still going to run out the door. Like, these are like the conversations that I remember, right? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So, right. you, must so have, you don't. That must yeah. have been scary for you to come from you know, your home country and said, Hey, guess what, Diana, we're packing up and we're going to a new place. I think I was terrified because I don't remember speaking English back then. Right. And so I used to watch Brady Bunch every day to learn (laughs) how to speak English. And, um, but when you come from this kind of environment, you don't want to ask your parents for anything because you realize they're so overburdened of trying to make sure their survival for the family. God, I wish so my what, son was listening. Right? right, seriously. I need to have him listen to that exact quote. <laughs> you both, both of my boys. Both, well, my son too. You can throw him into that. <laughs> yeah, but, so at 18, when I went to college, I wanted to find a job that would support my education, right? Hmm. Because I realized my parents were paying for college at that point. So I back then it was newspapers. It was 1989. I opened up the newspaper and I saw an ad for a greeter at a local car dealership. Wow. And I applied for the position. I got the position as the greeter. Hmm. And then this is typical of the car business, even now. <laughs> after two weeks, they're like, oh yeah, you're not no longer a greeter. There's ups on the you know showroom floor. You have to go. Now you're a salesperson. Right. So I- <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> Ready or not. So Diana, what did your parents think when you told them I'm going to get a job at a car dealership? They said, are you out of your mind? You said you were going to be an attorney. Right. What do you mean you're working at a car dealership? And I was like, they pay really well. I make these commissions. They gave me a Toyota Celica to drive. Right. Red hot Toyota Celica. Nice. And I, that's, that was my entryway into the car business. I needed the money. And overall, the car business is fantastic, rewarding people with talent. Right. Right. So that's how I entered in. My parents said, well, are you going to give this up when I graduated? And I said, no. And then I said, why? And I said, because finance managers make over 100K a year and I could make that at 21. Right. So I was like, I'm staying in it. That's it. And wow. so that was my entrance way. Into well, if the nothing car else, the car business is a meritocracy. Right? Yes, I mean, it certainly is. It certainly is. Yeah, it's it's and it's I, I I could tell you many dealers who it's one of the one one places to your point in the whole world where your education, your background, you know, it really does not matter. It's a matter of production. And so would you say that's kind of where you started to groom your own entrepreneurial spirit and kind of did that spark get set off? And ter- did you think back then I'm going to be owning my own business? No, you know, but the car business is street fighting. That's how Hmm. I describe it. It, You're in a street fight. It's not like an educated fight. You got to figure out how to beat the opponent each and every time. Yep. So the dealership that I worked for, it was really hard. It was a Toyota slash, uh, they had almost every franchise, but I was on the Toyota side. 
And we weren't allowed to come back into the dealership unless you basically brought that up inside of the dealership. So whether it was rain, snow, sleet, you're outside with the umbrella and you've got to get to the customer before anybody else gets there so you could actually go inside to warm up. Oh my so gosh, that's wild. Yeah. It's so crazy. Uh, yeah. I mean, you, we've heard stories of, you know, people uh, fist fighting for ups in the back room. That's the first time I've heard of forcing everyone outside <laughs> and not letting them in. <laughs> yeah, and it was like, I mean, I'll go back. I mean, back then there was a lot of drugs in the industry and I stayed away from it because I saw lives get ruined sure. and being 18, 19, seeing it. We had Don the pimp that worked there and he was a salesperson. Like, I can go on and on about the crazy stories in the car business. And I witnessed it all because of the fact that I was in a very successful dealership and there was a lot of competition. Right. And it was street fighting. It was street fighting with those guys. And they, you know. They tied a bird against my car one time. It was a dead bird. And I would drive and the bird would go fly. Oh my. And I would hit the window. And but it was like competitive. We were just like always competing right. to be the So it's amazing person. you came back every day. Well, after, after and stayed like, in the business. Stayed in the business. I fought harder than anybody else because I was Love female. It. I was Asian. They thought I was gonna be submissive. Mm. So there's a story. There was a uh one time when I was in finance, I was 22 years old and one of the salespeople came to me on my first day of work at a car dealership in New York City. He throws the file at me and he says, girl, build this out. I grab the file. I chase after him in the middle of the showroom. It's my first day at work and I'm the finance manager. He's a salesperson. He's supposed to report into me doesn't care. I start ripping it up and I said, you made a mistake. You may have to start all over again. I flipped it up in the air and I turned around and I walked into the office. <laughs> I had to do that because I wanted to show that I was the alpha. Right. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's like being in a prison and you got to make sure you're the toughest, <laughs> right. you know, and you're, obvious that you're short. I'm five foot three. I'm Asian. Everybody's right. going to basically try to harass me. So I had to be the monster in the room. So that's where all this came out. Well, what a great customer experience. It's, you know, it's. But that's but that's pretty amazing that you had that fortitude absolutely at that age to really fight off. You're fighting off two things, you know, a double minority in a sense in the car business, and that with is that something you know as you I'm sure you and we know you get involved in in uh, charities today and and mentor and women you know and and is that something you would uh, continue to recommend that strategy or how is how have you evolved from that point to, to now as a leader of many people of all different types of, of people. Yeah, Elliot, I think this has been a tough thing for me. Like, I don't know what a lot of other leaders would say is that when you come from that environment, it's hard for you to be not as passionate about winning. Sure. And that's really entrepreneurism. It's all about being so paranoid that you have to win every time. And that was car business 
teaching me all of that. But throughout the journey, I could not have gotten to where I am without the advocates from men. Like mm. there is no way I could have gotten here if men didn't help me out. And I have to tell you, and I can tell you crazy stories where I went up to like the CEO of Reynolds in NADA, right? And I'm like, <laughs> When I find out who he is, I went up to him and I'm like, do you know Constellation? He's like, no. And I said, let me tell you about Constellation. I'm like, blah, 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 blah. And you need to take a meeting with me. Yeah. And you can't go inside the store unless you take a meeting with me. <laughs> and he's laughing. He takes the meeting. And in the meeting, I tell everybody in the room what I did at NADA to him. And he says, Dana, that was an assault. And I go, well, I'm only five foot three and an Asian woman. So that's why I know you didn't call security. But if I was a dude, you would probably call security on me. Right. And that's true. It's true. But by having somebody like uh, Chris, uh, sure. that basically believed in having the conversation with me, yeah. I wouldn't here today, right? It's right. all the advocates and all the men and females that helped us along the way to grow the company. It was all advocacy. So them. it's important, I think what you're saying is to find someone who can be a champion yeah. for you and, and build that relationship. Yeah, we talk about cheerleaders, having cheerleaders for you. You know, you need cheerleaders. You can't, no one can do this alone. Right. Um, no one can build their career. But there is something else that I heard in there that you know, I think is, is, is maybe some, you know, first of all, the confidence that you have, the fearlessness that you showed to be able to, you know, rip up those pieces of paper, you know, that deal to, to approach the CEO of a powerful company and say, you need to meet with me, um, that confidence and the tenacity. I mean, really, and because no one's going to, you know, this is something that, that we say, but no one's going to manage your career for you. Um, and you have to be an active participant in your career management. Is absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I don't hear no. And the reason I always say is like our sales team said, you know, he said no to me. And I was like, no, that's not what you heard. That organization's very big, right? You, one person saying no doesn't mean anything. There's 200 other people that you can go and get the yes. So I say in every house, there's a front door, a back door, windows, there's a chimney. There's many ways in, <laughs> just like in the company. And you just have to find the one yes. So you just keep asking. And that's always been my motto. Wow. Just don't. Stop. Just keep asking. I love it. So how did you make the leap from the dealership? Because to your point, like it's almost like a drug working. At, and I've heard that like, it, it's a drug in and of itself. The sales, that environment, the competition. So how did you make that leap? And a lot of people get stuck in it. Right. And they never leave the dealership. So how did you make that leap from retail associate to CEO of a of a major advertising company? Yeah. So what happened was I was 47 and my husband said, if you don't do it now, you're never going to do it. Hmm. And I said, what does that mean? And he said, you say you're always the best. You say you could do it better than all these companies. You say that you're the fastest, the strongest and all of that. And I don't believe you because you don't actually do it. Wow. So hmm. I said, fine, I want to do it. And I jumped. <laughs> wow. And it Some was, tough love there. Yeah. Pushed a little coaching. In. 
Yeah, and it was fear-based. I think a lot of decisions of us not deciding to do something for our careers has a lot to do with the fact that you think you're going to fail right. before you can start. And six and a half years later now, you know, we're 65 fastest growing company in the U.S. We're number 10 fastest woman-led company in the U.S. Uh, we won EY Entrepreneur of the Year in 2021. Awesome. We're hitting 60 million in gross revenues this year alone. I could never have imagined doing that if I didn't take the leap. That's amazing. That's amazing. I would a great story. I mean, it's, you're right. Fear is a powerful demotivator. Right. Right. So Diana, what would you say to some people who are maybe listening and they're considering making that leap for themselves? What, what advice, what looking back now, six years later, what would you say to that person? I would say the only person that's holding you back is yourself. Hmm. And the reason that you're holding yourself is because you're three steps away of thinking about everything that can go wrong and not thinking about everything that can go right. Hmm. And if you have the tenacity and the hard work and the determination, and most of the people in the car business that say in retail automotive, they do, because they wouldn't have survived retail automotive. It's a street fight and a grind. And if you've been doing it for that long, you have what it takes to be an entrepreneur. Yeah, I totally agree. And, um, you know, it's one of the reasons that I feel very passionately about that the dealer model will survive is because the dealers and the general managers and the people that work in dealerships are some of the most business savvy humans on earth. Yeah. I firmly believe that and they will adjust. They will they may hang on to the last minute to to what they want, but they will when the moment they need to, they will pivot because I believe they are that um though they're survivors. Resilience. Yeah, and they're resilient. Would would you would you say that's fair in your experience as well? Absolutely. Look how complicated the auto business is, right? You've got aging inventory. You've got new car chip shortages. You have cars not being able to come in. You've got in-transit vehicles. You've got websites. You've got direct-to-consumer sales. You've got wholesalers. You've got finance departments. You've got you have five business units within a dealership. Exactly. You've got parts, you got service, you got sales, you got new cars, you got CPO, you got use. It is the most complex business on earth right for sure and you understand it you run it and you're always maintaining all the different levels to make sure that it becomes a profitable situation for a dealer you have what it takes already by the time you're gsm gm or even in finance you have what it takes yeah i believe definitely I that. so let's let's switch gears a little bit yeah. I, that was great um but let's switch gears a little bit let's let's focus a little bit on dealer advertising um yeah. and uh you know let's get into the sweet spot here but the the um um so obviously over the last few years the industry has been tipped on its head um yeah. in terms of specifically with regards to inventory and you know the game before covid was a lot about uh, you know, leads, getting leads in digital advertising, yeah. right? And now with no inventory, you know, what are you guys, how are you advising your your customers, your clients in terms of, you know, where they should be focusing if they don't have inventory in terms of yeah, their so advertising? Yep. A lot of things that are happening now in the last three years, and I've been in the car business now for over 34 years, right? 
I have seen things in the last three years I've never seen in the history of auto. Mm-hmm. Like we all think we know auto. And then the last three years, it's like, okay, turned it totally around. The biggest area that I feel like there's a largest amount of opportunity has to do with leasing. And it's because almost 80% of consumer markets have purchased their leases in the last two years. That's wow. remarkable a number, that? right? Yeah. But I've talked to JP Morgan and I've talked to all of these financial institutions and they have said to me over 80% have purchased their cars out. So that in itself defeats all loyalty from an OEM perspective and a dealer perspective. You no longer have the customer coming back to you unless they have to service the vehicle Mm -hmm. right now. That's Mm -hmm. huge. Huge. So the number one opportunity for dealers right now is maintaining that damn CRM and DMS system that they currently have (laughs) and utilizing their first party data to get those customers back in to create loyalty. That is number one, top of mind. If you don't work that CRM and DMS, they are not loyal to you because they don't have to be anymore. They can go to any brand they have defected. And if you don't do something now to get those customers back to your dealership, they never have to come back to you again. So, Diane, that's fantastic advice. So, Diana, you're sitting with a dealer owner right now or their team. What are you telling them to do to get those customers back in? So it's a little different from state to state. So you got New York and you got California, which had the highest penetration of leases. Right. But if you look at the manufacturer data right now and you say, what are the most amount of cars being sold? They're no longer in those types of states. It's like states like Florida and Texas that are winning because those were retail states. Those states had less leasing and more retail and cash, right? Interesting. But what's happened right now, and this is also astounding. I asked the banks, I'm like, how are they buying these cars? They go cash. Mm. I'm like, what? They're not financing? No, they bought their cars back in cash, Diana. Right. And so you have to think credit unions or who gave them the cash, but they've defected. In certain states where there's lease penetrations at a very, very high level, those are the ones that are mostly in jeopardy to lose brand loyalty Hmm. and dealer loyalty. So what I'm saying to them is the golden keys right now is not even conquest, it's retention. Hmm. You've got to get them back in, whether it be for servicing, whether it be that you got to give them a special offer right now where you say, hey, I will buy your car back and give you a two, three, four thousand dollar incentive to come back and make that purchase with me. Sure. You've got to come up with some messaging that resonates back to the consumer markets that have defected from your dealership. Yeah, that's uh, no, that's I mean, it's tremendous advice. And really, I mean, that's great advice in any time to retain your customers. I mean, it's always acquisition cost of a conquest customer is always going to be more than retaining the customers you have. Um, But I'm curious what type of, you know, you know, obviously linking it back to your company in, in terms of the technology and how people are using technology to, to, to really drive these messages home. How are you seeing, you know, or how are you guys leveraging technology for, on behalf of your customers to, to drive these messages and these consumers back to the dealership? 
Yeah, Elliot, I think there's a lot of great things that you can do right now. And this has nothing to do with even using Constellation. But if you don't have a strategic partner that can have the technology to do this, you need to leave and find one that does. So the first thing I would say is, like I had said, the most important pieces is protecting the customers in your DMS and CRM system hmm. and creating loyalty with them because that's the easiest win. That's that lowest hanging fruit. They purchase something from you already and it's trying to get them back. So in order to do that, you have to utilize the technologies that you have already in house. So they're using some sort of mailer slash email marketing system between sales service and parts. Right. It could be automotive masterminds. It could be Dominion. Sure. It could be uh, auto alert. You've got to download that information, the first party data that you have, and then import it into digital media. So yeah. basically going into meta, going to performance max and using that. So those people get targeted, right? And so we basically can put a technology widget in between that automatically transfers your first party data from your DMS and your uh, Dominion products like that into doing social media and digital marketing. That's one piece. You need those pieces to go together. So for our, the second, so sorry, yeah. then, for, for our less savvy. So what you're saying is you essentially take your customers, your maybe their email address, you flip them over to Meta, to Facebook, to Instagram. When that customer, when that email address logs on, you now know my customer is on Facebook and it hits them with a message that's relevant to them. Is that, am I explaining that right? It's close. So what it's basically doing is, and not everybody has a social media page, but it's going to basically match about 70%. Hmm. So all it needs is a name, phone number, email address, and it could match it to a social media profile. So when I go on Instagram as Diana Lee and I'm going through my feed, all of a sudden I will get an ad directly to me and say, hey, uh, Diana, it's time for you to bring your car back now and I'll give you $3,000 for the car that you just purchased on top of whatever the value that you purchased your vehicle gotcha. for outright. Gotcha. Right. And so it now it targets me and it gives me a targeted message to me based on the information the CRM and DMS already has and what Automotive Masterminds already has. And the I would second part. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Sorry. Keep going. The, the second part is uh, products like Auto Mastermind is really slick, but people are not utilizing it the way it should be utilized. Meaning all the personalization of Automotive Mastermind that allows you to market customers one-to-one -one because every piece of materials should say, you have a 2022 BMW X5 with this VIN number and right now you can get into a payment of 529, which matches the payment of 529 that you had three years ago. That's what Mastermind is phenomenal at doing, right? And, and companies like that. Sure. We can basically take that data, import it all, and make a data stream. And each one customer will get their personalized email wow. for any email provider that they're using, MailChimp, Orbi, whatever you're using, I can transfer that to them. And now you can email personalized emails for each customer that automatically goes out to them every single month to give them an offer to come back to your store based on their personal information. 
That's what they need to do. So, Diana, let's let's geek out a little bit on the marketing side. Oh, you know, well, you know, you are the marketing. I am the marketing guy. In the room. So, yeah. let's talk channel management for a second. You mentioned social. You mentioned email. <clears throat> what do you think is the right mix? Do you do you favor one versus the other? Do you think a dealer needs to have kind of this effort that touches all across various channels? What What are your thoughts on just the mix? Yeah, so it should be overall omni-channel, but this is the problem with the auto business. And this is something that we at Constellation is driven and mission to fixing. The problem right now is the one thing that every dealer waits for is creative. Mm -hmm. If you really look at it, it's creative. So if you look and you have your best search provider, your best display provider, your best website provider, your best, they're not linked together. They're all separate companies. Right. So from a dealer perspective, what drives me nuts is basically you basically the general manager of GSM says, these are my price leaders. These vehicles are my price leaders. These are the ones that I'm going to give special pricing to. Now you've got to send that to 20 vendors that don't talk to each other. Yeah. You're not going to do that. And each one is actually making different pieces of creative for you. My email vendor is going to make a different piece of creative versus my website vendor that's going to make a different piece of creative, which my display vendor and my social media vendor, everybody basically makes their own piece of creative. This is what's broken. The problem here then is every artist that makes it manually basically does it a slightly differently on the branding mm. and you lose brand consistency all yes. the way throughout. Right, right. And that's a major problem in the auto industry. And that's what we fix. We make all the iterations of creative through a machine that dynamically generates it. And then I can pass it to email. I can pass it to their social provider, their website provider. It goes automatically to those providers and then fixes the problem of the creative all the way through. Wow, that you know that's interesting. She's speaking my language. Yeah, I mean, I mean, consistency, consistency and brand. brand. It's yeah. so yeah. important. It is the most important thing. It's more. Would you say that it's more important than the message itself? Is that it's consistent? It's consistent, and that's what Lithia does so well. Mm. So Lithia has been using us for the last three and a half years. They call it Lad Tech. Hmm. It's Constellation. They have every website up within three days of getting an offer. You know how incredible that is? The rest of the industry, is average days is 14 days to market because of offer details. 14 days. Wow. Because everybody's manually making the creative. That's that's what's broken. That And, you know, when we can, we're going to have a sure thing coming up here in a minute. And we do have a question. That's a teaser. Yeah, for sure. That is a teaser. Very nice. Yeah. The um, no, but that's that's amazing. And, and, and is the efficiency generated in the technology? Is that is that the secret sauce there is leveraging different technology to be able to generate creative so quickly? Is that is that my yes, saying? So Constellation is a modular creative content maker. That's mm -hmm. what we do. We make content, but we make it for all of the different channels and deploy immediately. And so the thing is with AI and with machine learning and with automation, you don't have to give it to an artist anymore. Right, and this yeah. is really important. 
Every artist I ever hired, they said, I didn't go to Pratt and Parsons and the best art schools of the world to make banner ads all day. I'm not doing it. I quit. Those words all the time. And I was like, that's it. I, I have to automate a creative process because I can't have more people quitting saying I didn't go to the best art schools of the world in order to do banner ads. And that's what we're forcing them to do millions of banner ads. Think about it. There's 17,500 U.S. franchises here in America. There's $50,000 a month on average advertising that each dealer is doing per month, per month at a tier three level. Imagine the amount of creative assets that you have to make for $50,000 a month on an average for each dealer times 17,500. That starts all over again the next month. Right, right. <laughs> and trying to meet those deadlines and trying to just get it up on time. It would drive me nuts when I was a district manager and we'd be a week into a sales event month and um, I'd look at my dealer's websites and they it's still, still the old stuff. it was still the old stuff yeah. a week later. Yeah, yeah uh, 100%. All right, so Diana, just real quick before we get to a sure thing, what other trends are you seeing out there from your vantage point? You know, share with our audience just kind of your quick take on the, the state of the industry. So they're not going to like what I have to say, but I want to say because <laughs> it's the truth. That's why it's so it's great to ask you this question. <laughs> and they're going to hate it, but I'm going to tell them. Tier one and tier three are merging, whether oh. they like it or not. Interesting. There is mm. going to be direct to consumer sales and the franchises are going to be delivery centers in the future for many of the automakers in order for them to survive. Wow. And I just feel like instead of fighting it, we have to work together with the automakers to make it the best experience for the customers or else we will lose our industry to direct to consumer electric market makers that are coming in without setting up franchise models. And I beg of you, don't do this because we all work too damn hard in retail automotive right. to let the Carvanas of the world take over our industries. The brooms, the Carvanas, the uh, electric car makers that go direct to consumers, they've done it already. And if we don't work together with our auto manufacturers to come up with a streamlined system for our consumers, there will be no market. And what I mean by that, there is no consumer that wants to search 14 different separate websites to see whether you have the car or not. <laughs> Think about it from the perspective of the consumer. Nobody wants to do that. So please, let's come up with a system where we can show the customer the best choices of inventory and not worry about, I'm not going to give them my car. That's my car. No, you're going to lose the industry. <laughs> Think of what we're saying and doing here. Well, Diana, this is something. I'm ready to go. We're ready. I'm ready. This is something we've talked about on the podcast 100%. before in terms of the lessons to be taken away from Carvana. Definitely. Clearly, they have tapped into what the consumer prefers. They have filled a need, a gap in the consumer experience that, quite frankly, you know, a lot of dealers are not fulfilling. And right. that's what entrepreneurism is all about, is filling gaps that other companies are not 
filling today. And so um, I love your impassioned plea to the industry. I, um, I'm fired up. I'm ready, I'm ready to go. Do Where it. do we start? All right. So with, on that note, let's go right into a sure thing, because Diana, I feel like you're going to have some really good commentary. I will tell you. You're I'm sweating, aren't I'm you? I'm a little nervous. You're a little bit I'm nervous. a little nervous. The, had I known that we would get very opinionated, very here, passionate, I would have brought even more opinions than I normally bring. Diana, most people take it easy on Elliot when he gives his hot takes. So <laughs> please, I, I don't feel like I need to tell you to unleash. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So Elliot's going to. What's gonna, the worst that's going to happen? I'm a little Asian woman. What can they actually say to me? Right? That's what you said to the Reynolds guy. Right. Now he's right. doing business. Right. And the, and the poor salesperson. <laughs> but, uh, okay. Yeah, we're all good. Okay. We, so here we go. Sure thing. He's going to give you some hot takes and you tell him yes or no. Okay, Diana. Yeah. Um, okay, let's go. We did, touch, we did touch this a little bit, um, but, you know, I, I have observed dealers really did str do struggle with where to put the dollars in their advertising budgets. You mentioned that $50,000 and that's a real number. There's a lot of advertising you can buy with $50,000. And a lot of the dealers I know um, really fall in love with... Um, TV, uh, local news, always a always a clear point. Live you know, sports, live sports, right? And um, but in my experience, I believe that the first dollar a dealer should spend on their advertising is in search engines because the customer is showing intent to purchase, and so the first dollar you should spend is on search engines, Google, Yahoo, um, as your first dollar of media spend, sure thing or not a sure thing? Uh, it's a sure thing, but I would add one more element to it. Mm, okay. You know what it is? Yeah, it's a sure thing. I, you should definitely launch it in digital and search is a great way to do it, but marry it to your first party data and it'll work even better. Love that. So, period. so basically, okay. like we were saying, leverage that data, that first party data you have, put it into the search engine, work with the partners like Google and, and the other search engines. And, um, and then that way, you know, when your customer is actually, or customers that look like your customer um, are actually searching. Is that right? Yeah. If you use it on digital media, Import your first party data first to attract those customers first. That's your lowest hanging fruit and get them back to your store. Awesome. Yes. All right. That, well, that's, that's, a, that's, that's a good one start. One. That you, is Mark. a one. Mark, Mark takes delight when I'm when, when I'm off. So, you know, <laughs> he usually swings good, and misses at the beginning. So this is a good start. I do have a follow up question. You know, in thinking about technology, one of the things that, you know, I've seen dealers struggle with specifically with search engine marketing is the copyright messaging. Is that something that you're able or working on in terms of automating and using AI and technology to actually generate all that copy as opposed to humans thinking about, oh, this search term, let me use this phrase under under that. Is that something that can be automated? It can be automated. So what's going on with AI right now is it's too wild. So people don't realize you'll, you know, anything, even images, you'll see like three heads instead of one head every right. once in a while. Right? right. A lot of it is right. And a lot of it is wrong. So in highly regulated industries, what I always say is use AI for the pieces that don't matter as much mm. background. Right. Right. Or like 
But the ones, the words that need to go through regulatory and compliance approvals, those basically you can lock down and then use filler words that you actually don't need to go through regulation on. And that is the perfect world is to actually blend the areas that you can go broad and not have to have regulators look at. And the ones that really you need regulators to look at and lawyers to look at, don't rely on AI. Great advice. Great advice. Because there are still advertising covenants and regulations out there that uh, AI may not be aware of. Right. (laughs) Certainly. So, all right. That's great advice. All right. So speaking of AI, the rise of chat GPT in our society has been enormous. Um, It's, it's, you know, there is no shortage of uh, things being used or tested using companies like ChatGPT and others as well. Um, and, um, you know, there's a lot of funny ways to use it. I've seen uh, people ask ChatGPT for weight loss plans. Um, I've seen them ask to uh, write poetry. Um, but I believe that the, the best use of ChatGPT is for helping me to make excuses as to why I need to go golfing this weekend with my buddies. Sure thing or not a sure thing. I think that your wife may not like chat GBT. <laughs> but what are, what are some of the ways you are seeing chat GBT utilized uh, in your world? Um, I think one of the ways that it can be utilized that would work for everybody is the fact that sometimes what I like to do is ask what something means back to me, meaning I understand the meaning of it, Hmm. a word, right? But what would it mean for anybody else? So, uh, even you. Yeah. So, so in other words, I like, to play golf, how can I help my wife understand how much I like to play golf? Or why it's important to play golf. Yes, there you go. Exactly. So I know the meaning, but how can I translate that meaning and what would it mean to others? Because I'm always trying to get a 3D perspective because you're in your own self. No doubt. And you you know exactly how you feel about it, but how could other people interpret the interpretation of that word? It's sometimes very different. So it allows you to not be a narcissist and kind of look at it from everybody else's perspective, which is helpful in the car business too. Oh, definitely, <laughs> definitely. All right. Well, All right. Uh, that's, final a, that's, a, no, that's a that's a miss. That's a miss. That's yeah. a miss. All right. Well, we're talking about AI. And, uh, you know, over the course of uh, the the world here, there has really been no shortage of movies that have forecasted the doom of mankind and the rise of machines. Um, And so um, there's a lot of movies out there that talk about this. Uh, Terminator, you know, iRobot. Um, Wally comes mm-hmm, to mind. Mm-hmm. Transformers, which is definitely a machine takeover movie. Um, and um, Ex Machiana, I know that's a favorite among uh, many people. Uh, but I believe that the number one AI movie of all time, without a doubt, has to be The Matrix. Sure thing or not a sure thing? 
It's absolutely the 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 sure thing. Absolutely. Yes, you did it. Did it. <laughs> That's a hundred percent right, Elliot. Well, thank you. Well thank done. you very much. You did so well. Like, too well. These were too. These, these were, were too easy. These yeah. were too easy. I, we, we thought they would be better, but no, they were good. This was uh, Diana. Thank you for so much for sharing your story. Um, what an inspirational story in in terms of you know growing up in the slums, you know, of Philadelphia, uh, and making your way to the car business, and then making your way over to um, you know to running your own company and making that leap. Congratulations on all your success. Thank you for being a part of the show. Well, I love you guys because you're from the auto industry, <laughs> and I love the dealer community. It's in my heart because that's where I came from. So if this helps to inspire anybody to jump and try, then that's what I'm here to do. So thank you so much for allowing me to share my story today. Thanks, Diana. Yeah, Take thank care. You. Thank you so much for listening. Whether you are a dealer owner, GM, sales or service, or just starting your automotive career, you are sure to pick up some insights. Oh, that's very slick. I like what you did there. Appreciate it. Well, in all seriousness, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, we would uh, really love if you could go on and leave us a review. Uh, go ahead and like, hit subscribe. We're on YouTube for the video, Spotify, Apple, anywhere you can find a podcast, you can find us. We greatly appreciate you listening. Thank you, guys.